Well, hello and welcome back to The Gutowski Files, starring Stephen Gutowski. He is the founder of TheReload.com and the host of the Weekly Reload podcast. Stephen, I see you may have had someone from not FLP on your show this week. Why don't you tell us about that? How'd that go? FLP? What's FLP? Firearms Legal Protection, our sponsor. (laughs) You had someone other than them. How dare you, sir? That's true. They're well. They're not a sponsor of the reload, but right. that's not how we decide our guests anyway. I'm just kidding. Obviously. Go ahead. But uh, yes, USCCA. We had um, uh, the director of their political arm on because they are expanding their political operations, which I think is uh, particularly uh, relevant and interesting because they are one of the largest gun rights well, the largest gun groups that have dues paying members. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a big distinction. Uh, when you look at uh, these groups out there, you know, this is one of the reasons why the NRA has so much pool is that they, they don't just have members and there's millions of members. You know, a lot of the gun control groups claim to have millions of members too. They have millions of dues paying members, people who pay them money to be a member. And that's, that a there's huge, a real difference there. There's a definite distinction. Huge there. difference. Yeah. Between that and like a, an email list that has millions of, of emails on it or something like that. That's usually what, you know, the gun control groups, when they say million, millions of members, that's what they're talking about. Right. Um, or a, a lot of political groups, groups for that matter. So USCCA has like 800,000 dues paying members. Now it's, we get into this on the show, so people should listen to it. Uh, USCCA, the center of their operation is a for-profit company that does the concealed carry insurance. And that's why most people are members. So it's a little bit different than the NRA, but but the potential is there. They're very large, well, and that's why. I think it's reasonable to. I think it's reasonable to infer anyone signing up for any kind of carry insurance probably is a Second Amendment supporter. So it's not. I mean, probably. I mean, the odds of them not being are probably pretty slim. So, and folks, they said that this was because their members, uh, you know, demanded this this operation, you know, to, for them to get more involved in politics. So that's. All that's interesting, and their approach is uh, perhaps a bit of, in contrast to what the NRA does as well. So I think it's a lot there. Well, folks, go check it out over at thereload.com. And while you're there, in case I forget to tell you later, which I won't, don't forget to think about getting a membership over there. Stephen does rely on his um, membership dues. Talk about putting your money where yes. your mouth is. If you want to stay informed about, about this stuff related to the Second Amendment and firearms, there's no better place than the Reload to get your information from. It's, it's a jumping off point. Uh, so... Go do that for me. Stephen, you're going to say something? I'm sorry. Uh, and I was just going to say, you know, people should look at each of the different, uh, sorry, each of the different um, gun carry insurances that exist and and decide on the features of their product rather than, you know, anything else. I think I currently have Law Shield. So, right. uh, whichever one, you know, there's a lot of good options. Um, and, you know, I guess political advocacy, that's part of your calculation. Take that into account too. Sure. Um, yeah, the good people over at FLP um, uh, have been sponsors for quite some time. In fact, I had a meeting with one of their people this morning, me and John, talking about a webinar that John and I will be doing in December. So something to look forward to. Uh, moving on, I think kind of the world's attention right now, for obvious reasons, is on the Middle East, specifically Israel, um, mainly the southern part of Israel around the Gaza Strip, where there was launched a series of attacks. Um yeah, I, I hesitate to refer to any of this in a military context because what, what happened and what I plainly saw and what I think everyone saw was a terrorist attack gunning down people at a music you know, at a music festival as they're running away is not anything I've ever seen any real military do. So I think that's kind of all you need to know about that. With that said, 
Um, there is an article over at the Reload. Let me get the title up here. The headline is, uh, and this is by Stephen Gutowski, so you know it's good information. Uh, Israel loosens gun laws after unprecedented terror attack. And why I think this is relevant to us is we see this quite, not quite often, we see it frequently when there is something like this that goes on, whether it's the Ukraine being invaded or this recent um, horrific attack on Israel, where it seems like all of a sudden the government decides, well, you know, uh, there's obviously a wolf at the door. We want more people to have guns. So they loosen up their requirements to, to A, get a gun and B, be able to carry it with you. Um, you're much more knowledgeable about this than I am, Stephen. Uh, we talked briefly before we hit the record button. And I, I guess what I didn't know is I, I think you said you have to be either have been or are in the IDF and the Israeli Defense Forces in order to be sort of an off-duty, for lack of a better term, carrier. I'm not real clear on that. So why don't you explain it to our, our viewers and listeners, Stephen? Well, look, I'm not an expert on Israeli gun laws either. Uh, just to be clear, my, that is my understanding based on what I've read mm -hmm. um, and what these changes announced uh, are related to. And um, so, you know, Israel, you know, obviously our our audience is mostly Americans. And so they're going to have a very different context for what constitutes strict or loose gun laws. Mm -hmm. But um, Israel, in the comparison to the United States, even the sort of deepest blue areas of the United States uh, would, has very strict gun laws. Um, of course, they also have a much more sort of militarized uh, population. Most of them are required to serve in, in the IDF at some point, sort of similar to you know South Korea, uh, some of these other countries that are kind of in this sort of state of ongoing quasi-war. Who have neighbors and want to kill them all, yeah. Right, so... Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I just say that to emphasize that they have a very different perspective, mm. it seems on guns than, than Americans do. Um, and you know, ju just try to get people in the right frame of mind here, uh, for this discussion. Cause the point is not that is not to be like, Oh, you know, obviously our approach is right. And their approach is wrong. Right. Yeah, Certainly, yeah. you know, you, you, I think a lot of Americans have a very, uh, particular point of view on firearms that they're. Um, you know, part of our natural rights to to own firearms and, and an armed populace is is uh, a bulwark against tyranny and invasion and and so forth. And so you see things that happen in Ukraine or Israel, and and that uh, often reinforces this idea to a lot of us. But uh, you know, in a lot of the rest of the world, they don't think of firearms the same way. Um, and and so uh, Israel has fairly strict gun laws, even though they obviously are under pretty regular threat from uh, terror groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. Now, usually though, I will say the threat is not like this, right? You are not seeing these sort of cross border raids or whatever you want to call this, uh, where terrorists just show up at people's doors and start slaughtering everybody uh, in some of the most horrendous ways imaginable. Yeah. This is relatively right? new, I guess I had seen this it's, before. S certainly, uh, you know, it, there were over a thousand civilians were murdered, a thousand Israelis were murdered in these attacks. Um, people, I'm sure, have seen pictures and videos by now of how these were carried out, often pictures and videos taken by the perpetrators uh, and posted online as celebration of what they've done. Um, I, my only point there is that, you know, Hamas and Hezbollah might attack the IDF. They might fire, they fire rockets pretty regularly. You don't see them 
en masse invade the country and start slaughtering people. Uh, this is something that I don't think has really been seen since, uh, you know, uh, the Nazis in World War II uh, and what they did. And that's not hyperbole, Poland. by the way. Yeah, just honestly, that's the, you see the videos of this stuff, and I mean they, they're rounding up Jews to to slaughter them. Um, they're not, you know, the, yes, they were fighting with the IDF at points, but. Most of the people killed are, like you mentioned, uh, concert goers, people in their own homes, children, uh, children, babies. So, um, you know, it is a pretty unprecedented situation. And uh, yes, they have loosened their gun laws to some degree. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want you to tell people about that because the specifics are important. I think it's not like they just said everyone grab a gun. Right. It's yeah. It, it's not similar to what Ukraine did in that sense. You know, when Ukraine was invaded. They were quite literally just handing out rifles on the street to people um, in hopes of sort of, uh, you know, that that would help forestall the invasion, especially in Kiev, uh, which it did. Mm -hmm. And there are reports of civilians in cooperation with military forces in Ukraine stopping Russian forces uh, at, you know, vital points of that war, uh, uh, you know. This is not like that. They're not just handing out. Or if they are calling up a lot of theirs, I mean, the Israeli military is obviously a very well-equipped military. So it's it's also different in that regard. Yeah, they, they punch way above their weight. They have a lot of resources. So it's it's not quite the same as what Ukraine was experiencing. And they haven't reacted in quite the same way. However, what they have done is loosen some of the uh, licensing requirements to carry a firearm. So there used to... Uh, some of this is somewhat similar to at least deep blue parts of the United States where, um, you know, after you pass a background check and after you uh, um, do the training that's required through, I believe, through the IDF, uh, you uh, would have been required to go in person to do an interview after that to get your permit to carry. And so they've changed that to a telephone interview. Obviously not a huge change there, but that's something they um, also I guess they require you to continually update your training in order to keep your firearms in your home. And so they made it to where people who had to turn in their firearms within the last six months because they hadn't updated their training, they can get their firearms back. Um, they also have a sort of permit to purchase system uh, where, you know, any they have now said that anybody who had a valid permit but didn't make a purchase and then the permit expired this year uh they can go and purchase firearms so you know these aren't these aren't you know sea changes in how they're approaching gun policy in israel but they are uh changes that apparently will go into effect within a week a week so there aren't going to be very long waiting times for these things to um be implemented and they, according to the Minister of National Security, who is, who's the one making these changes, uh, they should affect thousands of Israelis at this point. So, um, you know, directionally, it's the same impulse as what we saw in Ukraine. Uh, but obviously, in the scope of it is not quite as broad. Yeah, and I think it's important, you and I discussed this again before we started our, our talk today, that it's important that we don't let, allow this people who are serious about gun rights and our second amendment and our self-determination. And we don't allow it to devolve into a ha ha, you know, I told you so kind of a thing like this is just a really good moment for, to point out to Americans because let me 
digress even further. I'm not one of those people that believes that a whole world craves freedom in the American way of life. They don't. Some people do. Some people don't. So, you know, our our way isn't the only way and it isn't the best way for everybody around the world. This is a really the United States is a very unique place in the history of the world. So with that in mind, uh, there's no need to be um, to be rude or, or gotcha or I told you so about the idea that we have this thing in place right now. We have the Second Amendment and there are people who would very much, who I'm sure think that they're right and think that they're, you know, they have all the best righteous intentions to end gun violence, but there's people that want to tear that down and want to chip away at our ability to to be armed and to protect ourselves, both from tyranny, invasion, and criminal violence. You know, anything that could, you know, a gun could help solve a problem that a gun could help solve. So I think specific to us, this is a good time for us to look around and go, wow, we, you know, generally speaking, we don't have to wait a week for the government to give us permission to do anything. You know, we have this stuff in place. So I think it's important that we recognize that and, and try to maintain it, which is what part of what you and I and our respective companies are trying to do by educating people in part. Yeah. And look, uh, you know, I think you can have a, a belief that people have a natural right to defend themselves and that uh, the ability to own firearms is an extension of that natural right. Um, and it's a right, it's a human right. It's something for everyone. And then still, uh, and you can look at these situations in Ukraine and Israel and, and think that that's uh, further evidence for your belief, but, uh, without, yeah, just being a jerk about it, I guess right. would be the kind of point you're have trying you, to make. Have you been on X, Stephen? Is that what's been going? Have you been on? Twitter X, whatever it's called now. I have, Pe- have people yes. been mean to you on the internet? Talk, tell They're me. Not being mean to me, no. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but you get the idea here. It's it's like you know, certainly, I don't think there's any anything wrong with noting that this people would be better off if they could defend themselves in a situation like what we saw uh, in in Israel if they had effective means of self defense um, beyond you know their hands and, and fists and. Um, and that that's why you believe in uh, guns for your own defense right? mm-hmm. or for societal defense. But, uh, but yeah, it doesn't mean like that you, it wouldn't make any sense to go over and start uh, you know, criticizing the dead because they didn't own guns or something. Right. Like that. I think some people right. mistake when, when we have a, you know, I, I co-host the badge cam videos, but frequently there, there's a bad guy doing a bad guy thing, doing bad guy stuff. And there are dozens of people around who had, they been armed, had every ability to end this thing before it started to end or to stop him from doing whatever criminality he or she was doing. And John will point it out like, Hey, you know, there's no longer the excuse. If you live in California, for example, Oh, I can't possibly get a permit. Yeah, you can actually, because people have worked really hard to make that happen. Um, so it's up to you now to go and do the work and, you know, jump through whatever hoops remain to do that. Um, I, I kind of had the idea in my head going back to Israel for a moment, you know, you see pictures of like off duty IDF people at the beach with their family. And there's an M4 sticking out of the sand next to their blanket. And I think I was under the miss, the misapprehension that this was the way it was everywhere. And like, even at a music festival, there would be tons of armed people. And I I guess there were soldiers there because of their proximity to the border, but not enough, obviously to protect against no one saw this coming. 
So it's, yeah. it's not, they're not quite as omnipresent as I think I, I thought they were as well. Well, that, to and like, I mean, I, you know, and you, you see this in, in the work that you guys do all the time at ASP. It's, it's not that there were no guns in that area or there were no soldiers or there were no policemen there. There certainly were. Right. Uh, and many of them fought bravely to try and protect people. Indeed. Um, they were overwhelmed because there were like a thousand uh, armed terrorists who came streaming across the border unexpectedly without warning. And so, you know, the, the Gaza border is not, you know, a, uh, it, it's a long, it's a relatively long border. It's not something where they have troops every two feet on it. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. They have like outposts and they have, uh, you know, an area where there's a gate that you can come through and they're, they're commonly, you know, traffic is going in and out of there on a regular basis or it had been. And, and so there's sort of a normalcy to all of that. And Israelis and Amer- American intelligence included didn't realize this was about to happen. So it was a surprise attack where they overwhelmed what defenses did exist. Yeah. It wasn't like they didn't have any firearms or nobody was there to try and protect people. Um, it's just that they, you know, and music festival too, that they, they had security at the music festival, but it was like music festival, festival security, right. not yeah. defense from an invasion security. Right. If that makes sense. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where even if, even if everyone in these towns had a gun, wouldn't have guaranteed that they would be safe. Um, it's just obviously, um, in America, many gun rights advocates would want to have that option anyway, even understanding that's the case, that it's not a guarantee of safety. So, um, so you know, and, and you have seen some uh, Israelis advocate for loosening the laws further. Uh, the Times of Israel has, has a piece right now that uh, looks that, that interviewed several people who are civilians who don't have the option to get the, the permits we discussed earlier. Um, and they want to change that for the same reasons that, you know, uh, a lot of Americans own guns. It's sort of the same ethos that we just described here. Um, so there, there is activism on this front in Israel, and I would expect that it will probably increase as, I mean, we're really still just learning the details of right. what happened in these places. Um, it's probably worse than we know at this point. Uh, yeah, I just so, saw a headline come in. It's only single source right now. Daily Wire was reporting that 14 Americans were among the dead. So that's probably still a low number because I'm. The, what people may not know about Israel is there's a ton of Jews from all over the world that go there part time or live there full time, you know, from everywhere from Russia to the United States to Canada to Japan. There's people from all over the world that moved to Israel. So I'm sure that number is probably going to get higher. I think. Something just for our listeners and viewers to think about that we're not going to get into depth on here because it's not it's out of our wheelhouse. But part of my job with the federal government as a special agent was intelligence gathering. Now, it was low level intelligence gathering for the most part. So for me, it was, you know, local cartel guys and, and you know, um, street gang members and having informants and human resources in place to let us know when a thing was going to happen. That could be dope crossing the border. It could be a hit on someone, a Sicario crossing the border. And I just have to say this out loud for someone else to hear it, how the NSA, CIA, and Mossad did not apparently have any idea that this incredibly complex thing was coming is really, frankly, astounding. And again, not our area of expertise, but it's something worth thinking about. I don't understand how no one could have seen this coming. So either either Hamas is really, really tightened up its OPSEC 
possibly. Uh, there's talk of Iran, you know, helping out and materially and, and financially. Who knows? But um, hopefully this will never happen again. We said after 9-11, you know, here, well, originally the Holocaust, they said never again. And we said, you know, never forget 9-11. Some days I feel like we have. And hopefully this will be whatever wake-up call is needed for the world's intelligence agencies to do a better job because um, it's really astounding that they pulled this off as well as they did. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's sort of self-evident to a certain degree, right? Uh, that that the, the intelligence agencies of the Western world were just not aware of this and, uh, and it cost a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, so and, you know, and that goes back to the point about they, they did have defenses, but they weren't enough. Right. Is the problem. Yeah. And this sort of thing just, just gives conspiracy theorists a field day of things to, you know, of things to come up with. So we will go delve any further into that. Uh, that actually is our time. Folks, we really appreciate you tuning in for this separate Gutowski Files. It's going really well. You know, without you listening, wherever you might be at work, on a long drive, taking the baby for a walk with some AirPods in, without you out there listening, there's no show. And you've tuned into this show in almost equal numbers to the regular show. So we're very grateful for that. Uh, do me a favor. Don't forget, go over to thereload.com if you haven't already and consider getting a membership. If there is some way on... A sign-up sheet to go, uh, Mike Williver sent me, Active Self-Protection sent me. Let them know, because I, I, I just know that there's been a ton of people from the show that have gone over there, hopefully. Stephen, uh, I will see you next week, sir. I appreciate your hard work, and I appreciate you coming on this show every week. And as always, sir, you have the last word. Absolutely. <laughs>